From award-winning restaurant industry news to original analysis and reporting you can't get anywhere else, restaurant business memberships provide you with the information you need to future-proof your operation. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 for a free 30-day trial and get the tools you need for growth and success. Is the Restaurant Revitalization Fund dead? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Sean Kennedy, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs for the National Restaurant Association, to talk about that very issue. Congress allocated $28.6 billion in funds for grants for restaurants. They were quickly snapped up, but some 3,000 operators whose grants were approved were later told that the funds were rescinded due to court rulings and lawsuits filed by those who claimed the process was discriminatory. The funds were first targeted at women and people of color. Sean has been with the association since 2019 and talks about the chances that the fund could get additional dollars. We also go into other topics on Capitol Hills, including labor issues and immigration and whether Congress is too divided or preoccupied to deal with such issues. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Sean Kennedy. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Jonathan, thanks for having me. Sweet. All right. So let's, uh, as we sit here uh, in the really, I guess, the past three weeks or so, um, several, a, a few thousand uh, restaurant operators have received notice that their approved uh, uh, RRF grants have been uh, rescinded or denied. Could you explain what happened here? So as part of the Restaurants Act, uh, the first 21 days of funding was set aside for specific restaurants to apply. Restaurants owned by women, veterans, or in economically disadvantaged communities. Um, as you know, the bill was supposed to be $120 billion. It ended up being $28.6 billion in actual funding. There was court litigation filed uh, in Texas and Wisconsin that said, this violates my civil rights. So it was offered by, by people outside of those priority categories. A court uh, agreed, directed SBA to stop the process. SBA chose to shut down the process nationwide. So roughly 3,000 plus operators who had received the commitment letter that they were going to receive a restaurant revitalization fund grant then got a gut punch uh, in the form of a second letter from the SBA saying, as you noted, we are rescinding this because of the court order. Uh, everybody deserves a chance here, but it's such a problem when you have an entity that received this grant that had this commitment to then be told it's not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, and a lot of lot of people were counting on that money to pay staff and keep people employed and uh, 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 pay some bills, and then suddenly they were um, sort of left in the lurch. Is there any chance that they're going to be getting their funds, or where does that stand? By all accounts, SBA has put down their pencils. I don't think there is any funding left. It might be one more small batch these funds that were being reallocated, uh, those funds are going to be going out pretty soon to other entities. The only way that these are these entities are going to get relief or the $50 billion in applications that are still pending with SBA get relief is if Congress passes a replenishment act to put additional federal funds into the RRF. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, I mean, is there, uh, do, you, do you have a sense that the, um, what are the chances of that happening? I guess that's, I mean, obviously a lot of things really uh, depend on those funds uh, getting approved. Um, it, 
appears like it's moving slow to me, but you know, what do I know? So what are the chances of that, of that happening and the Congress is going to re-up the fund? It's going to be a definitely an uphill push. Uh, we are making the case that even though you have a return to indoor dining, restaurants are still incredibly weak. Our, our, our input costs are higher. We have fewer staff, so we have fewer shifts, fewer tables. So even though indoor dining is slowly returning, restaurants are still really having trouble making ends meet. And what these funds are supposed to do, it's really emergency funding for that 15 months now that many restaurants were told by government order to shut down. What we're up against is a bit of pandemic fatigue in Washington, here in Washington, DC. Uh, Congress wants to continue looking forward. Uh, we need to make sure that we are making the argument that even though indoor dining is slowly returning, we are still an incredibly vulnerable industry. We still need RRF and we need Congress to finish the mission and provide additional funding. Mm -hmm. But uh, is it is it getting caught up? I mean, there's a lot going on in Congress right now. I mean, between, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess between voting legislation, um, uh, various other issues, I mean, is that getting, uh, well, the transportation, um, uh, you know, the transportation bill that they're currently negotiating. I mean, uh, as I recall from back in my government reporting days, uh, these things tend to bog other issues down. Is that uh, becoming is that becoming a problem for for this particular? Uh, no, your things haven't changed since your government reporting beat. I mean, it's the the, the underlying Restaurants Act did not move as freestanding legislation. It was added to the larger American Rescue Plan that ultimately Democrats chose, uh, decided that they had to move without Republican support. So they used this, this uh, procedural tool to allow them to pass it with only Democratic votes. We are probably moving into that kind of a situation. We need to demonstrate bipartisan support for this underlying legislation. Uh, so we're trying to get more people to co-sponsor the bill. And we have a a drive underway on restaurantsact.com, which is our advocacy website. But you're right. At the end of the day, this is probably going to be folded into a larger piece of legislation. Congress is not doing a great job at passing large bills on a bipartisan basis right now. Uh, so there's a very good chance we are certainly looking at vehicles like the infrastructure bill that you spoke of. Will there be an additional COVID relief bill, a final one? Uh, really, any moving target is on the table and is something that we're pushing actively. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, uh, if I recall correctly, there are a lot of like hotels and some other industries that have looked at the Restaurants Act and said, hey, look, we want our piece as well. We got hurt. Uh, is there possible that, you know, some something like this, a re-up could be lumped with something like that uh, in, in, you know, in the form of a COVID sort of a co final COVID relief type package? It's certainly possible, and it's certainly something we would have no objections to. There are a number of industries that have been suffering, but at the same time, the restaurant industry was the first industry to be shut down, March 14th of 2020. Uh, there are restaurants that are still waiting for indoor dining to return to anything approaching normal. We're the nation's second largest private sector employer. We are down $290 billion in revenue. Uh, 90,000 restaurants are still closed right now. Uh, so we've been we've been keeping the the focus on the restaurant industry, but of course issues like childcare, vaccinations, assistance to state and local governments are all things that Congress is looking at as well. And I suspect any larger solution would include those uh, entities. So, so most of these three thousand um, three thousand plus restaurants that got you know that received these notices that they're not going to get. I mean, most of these are independent and small shops. Yes, I mean they're they're mostly small operators. 
Absolutely. And under under the legislation, you have to own, the most you can own is 20 restaurants to even file an application. But these are, again, operator operations that are owned and run by women, people of color, uh, and veterans. And so, you know, anecdotally or statistically, they're going to be smaller operators. Mm -hmm. Now, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of alluded to why they need this, but, but, you know, it's one of the things I look at, I mean, I obviously am a numbers guy. I look at a lot of data and things like that. And we're seeing a lot of reports of, you know, strong sales. And I just got off the phone with somebody who's saying it was up 40% in April, not an independent operator mm -hmm. for the record. Um, why does the why does the industry need it at this particular point when in theory it's it's in recovery mode and in many respects already recovered? I think it's based on how long we were not in a recovery period. I mean, the, the, the amount of debt, the amount of back payments on rent, utilities, insurance, the none of those, all those bills continued piling up on restaurant operators' desks and in their inboxes for 15 months while they were told you cannot open your dining room. You, you still have to pay for the beautiful uh, tables and chairs and rent that you're paying, but the only thing you do is take out and delivery. That isn't sustainable. So what we are looking to do is to get support to get us out of that period. There's a much larger question. I'm sure you'll be hosting pods on it in the future. And what is the restaurant industry going to look like in six months? What is the, you know, as we realign? And that's a question that this industry needs to come to terms with. We're not looking for support as we move into this uncertain period, we are looking for support for the 15 months in which we were basically shut down and lost $290 billion in the process. We've laid off 1.5 million jobs and 90,000 restaurants are still closed right now. Right, right. Um, I mean, and one of the things I think to keep in mind to me is that the industry, like, I mean, like as, as much as the industry is recovering, I mean, a lot of the industry, the restaurants are also facing some enormous challenges because we, you know, the economy was opened up, has been opened up fairly quickly with a lot of influx of cash to consumers. And that, of course, is causing all sorts of issues. One of the big ones is labor. And to me, that seems like the, you know, that is, is having a bigger impact to me on the independent restaurant than than on on the chain operator. In fact, I know uh, I know a, a a large operator of a of a chain who just actively wondered whether independents can survive these increases in 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 wage costs um, uh, while he can deal with it because he's part of a larger chain and 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 has resources available to them. Well, a lot of these smaller operators don't necessarily have those sorts of resources. And the fact of the matter is that the pandemic did nothing for labor costs during the over the past year. It's a big challenge. We do an economic survey every couple of months. In January, we asked operators, what is the biggest challenge you have right now? And 8% in January said recruiting and retaining workers. Um, it won't surprise you, Jonathan, that that, 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 that number 8% doubled to 16% in February. It doubled again in March and it doubled again roughly in April. So we're at 57% of operators say that their number one concern is recruitment and, and, and retention of workers. This still all feeds into the RRF grants because they simply don't have the funds to stay competitive at this point because they've been, they have zero cash on hand or negative cash on hand and they've got no way to be competitive. You're right about the capitalization of chains and some of the larger chains have the capital reserves that they can dip into on this but no restaurant is at full capacity right now. And, and, and I was actually at dinner at a chain two days ago, uh, and 25% of their tables were, were dark 
uh, because they simply, they couldn't attract people as well. So there's a much larger realignment. We need to identify how much of it's short-term, how much it's based on childcare, vaccination rates, unemployment insurance, and how much of this is, we are really gonna have to rethink how we staff and how we operate as an industry. Right, right. Um, let's stay on that labor issue. Um, I mean, is there anything that you see coming up in Congress at all or, or even at the state's level where, where they could provide any relief at all for, for this labor issue that the industry is facing? Um, do you see anything coming up or, or no? So from our perspective, really the solution seems to be we need to work our way off of the unemployment insurance. There are certainly people who are relying on it that need it. Uh, we need to improve vaccination rates so people feel comfortable working back in a restaurant setting. We need to improve childcare and school options so that uh, families with children can feel, have the wherewithal to, to leave their family and know that their children are being taken care of and returned to the workforce. We also need to deal with issues like immigration. We have not focused as an industry enough on immigration and on ensuring that we have that supply of workers from the immigrant community that not only provide support in the back of the house, but inspire us in the front of the house as well. Uh, we haven't paid enough attention to these things. So there is no silver bullet. There is no magic answer. It's gonna take a lot of work over time, uh, but we have to at least begin with, with the steps forward and progress. Let's stick on that immigration thing because I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, it would seem like, I mean, I, obviously I don't think there's a real silver bullet to this issue of, 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 of labor at all, but you know, if there's, if there is one immigration would be, seem to be the closest, um, you know, immigrants have, have provided a, a, a historically a have been a real good source of, of, of labor for the restaurant industry. In fact, I mean, I, I mean, I know a large number of immigrants, uh, immigrant franchise owners and restaurant owners, um, you know, who came to the country, worked their butts off and, um, you know, and, and uh, are now enjoying the fruits of that labor because they own multiple restaurants or an executive or something of that nature. I mean, the industry, the, the number of rags to riches stories among immigrants in this industry is phenomenal. But I guess the point is, that it would seem like, you know, like providing, you know, you know, immigrants can be a, 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 an important source of labor for, frankly, for the restaurant industry going back for many years and a lot of other industries for that matter. Is there any chance on earth that this is anything on immigration is going to be done anytime soon? It's a great question. I pause for a second because I want to try to find an optimistic way out of this. <laughs> we have been close in the past, and you remember, and I think you reported on this when we had, we were close to deals with senators like John McCain uh, and, and, and of, of Arizona and Marco Rubio and the Gang of Ten, the Gang of Twelve, etc. We've moved away from that a little bit, and, and the issues have become a little more, more polarized. Everyone agrees that immigration needs to be addressed. Unfortunately, Democrats and Republicans still have very different definitions of what immigration means. Is it border security? Is it E-Verify? Is it Dreamers? Uh, the, and, and none of them want to see progress on this done until it's done in a holistic, total way. We need to at least focus on Dreamers. We need to focus on people who are on temporary protective status. We don't need to get a, a grand slam on this. This country could would benefit well from just a few good base hits on legislation when it comes to immigration. Uh, it's certainly a priority of senators like uh, Chuck Schumer right now. I know that he is eyeing some of these 
Democratic only bills as potentially vehicles for immigration reform. Uh, we are staying as engaged as we can, just saying failure is not an option. We need to see progress. Do you, do you see, I mean, do you see the, the labor short? I mean, let's let's assume let's go, uh, you know, jump forward, like, say, six months or something like that. And, you know, I mean, my, one of my theories is that I don't think that the fall. I mean, I think that in some respects, the fall might bring some relief. I don't think it's going to probably bring as much relief to restaurants as many people are hoping. But that's, you know, but I'm a I'm a journalist and I'm a pessimist. That's sort of my job. <laughs> Well, but you're like, talking to a lot of, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're talking to a lot of people and we are as well. And anecdotally, operators are concerned. Independence mm -hmm. chains do not see that uh, the elimination of UI when it phases out in September nationwide, about half the states are phasing it out sooner. But when it's phased out at a national level in September, not a lot of operators are assuming there's going to be a rush to the uh, rush to the doors of restaurants and warehouses and trucks and things like that, we're still gonna see this. I mean, there are mm -hmm. people who have left the workforce who may not be coming back. Um, similarly, there are people who've probably lost, left the restaurant workforce who are not returning. They have gone on to, to other industries altogether. We are still hiring a lot of people, but just the pool certainly seems to be getting smaller. I agree with you that UI and back to school is going to help. I just don't think it's going to be enough. And that's why we need to be looking at things like immigration reform, because we need a more sustainable pipeline of, of, of workers in this industry. And I don't know if we're going to get there with the existing tools that we're, we're deploying right now. Could that like, again, go back in if six months, six months to a year from now, like we're still seeing some of these same concerns. I mean, is that, is it possible that that could sort of like, um, kind of uh, prompt Congress to into doing something about this, um, you know, is, is fundamentally because like, you know, I mean, immigration, immigration is theoretically been, should have been, should really be one of the, the, this country's biggest advantages over a lot of other Western nations that don't have as open borders as we've traditionally had. So to me, it, it would seem like that, that's just like, it's an answer it's sitting out there to this labor issue and nothing's getting done. It's just tough to identify, and it's tough because you again you look at that you look at the 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 gang of twelve when they were trying to move bipartisan legislation. Suddenly, they got hijacked by the extreme wings of the party, and one side said, "I can't believe you're working with this side," and the other said, "said You're not asking for nearly enough," and everyone gets cold feet. There are far fewer moderates in Congress now than we had five six years ago. So the era of the of the Claire McCaskills. Uh, and the Jeff Flakes has really given way. You know, we uh, Democrats really focus on people like Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire and Kirsten Cinema in Arizona, Joe Manchin in West Virginia um, on the Democratic side and folks like Susan Collins of New Hampshire, uh, excuse me, of Maine. Um, but we don't have as many moderates that are going to drive this process. So it puts a lot more pressure on them and the competing interests and competing industries that are looking to get their mind share and, and, and attention we are certainly making a strong play with those Senate offices to say, we need you to drive the way here and we need you to find it. Will the employment situation reach a crescendo that prompts Congress to act? You know, Congress doesn't like to engage unless truly the cliff is right in front of them. Uh, and, and it might be exactly what you forecast that in a year from now, this will be, that we'll finally be at the cliff's edge. But obviously, John, 
we were dealing with this issue. Our biggest challenge before the pandemic was employment, was finding mm-hmm. up people for shifts. It's been exacerbated by this pandemic, but it's something that's been an, obviously an ongoing challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the employment shortage is one of my bigger surprises. Uh, I mean, I, I guess in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the pandemic really sort of changed a lot of, I mean, you know, it, it you know, pandemics change things. That's just historically, you know, historically the case. If you look at, I think every pandemic in history, something came about, something really radically shifted as a result of it. Now, I don't know if this is it, but I mean, you know, the, you know, how people view employment very well could be, be very different uh, for good. Um, And, uh, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it would seem to be, um, it would seem to me that, you know, finding a solution to this problem would, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems everybody knows that this is an issue and that immigration, you know, dealing with immigration, again, getting back to my previous comment would seem to be something, you know, that, you know, a, a solution here. So, I mean, I guess from your standpoint, like given, cause you mentioned how divide, I mean, how like extreme both sides are now. I mean, how do you deal with that? You know, is it like as an association? I mean, what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you try to get anything done? Well, it's, it's the, the remarkable thing about the restaurant industry is there are elements of our industry that should appeal to the most liberal of Democrats and most conservative of Republicans. And it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable thing, really. If you're an entrepreneurial conservative, as you note, there is no better example of people who were living the American dream than those who started without a strong education, without coming into this country with very little. And because of hard work and ingenuity and sheer brilliance of their ideas and passion, they have made a really fantastic living for themselves and their families and their communities. And then on the other side of the aisle, we are the industry that employs virtually everybody. So if you are out of work, if you are out of school, if you're out of jail, you can find a future in the restaurant industry and it is stable. It is generally a portable industry. You can work from, from, from Seattle to LA to Texas, et cetera. Um, and so we, we, and we are present in every community. We're the nation's second largest private sector employer. So we tr- really try to approach this, Jonathan, not on a bipartisan basis, just a nonpartisan basis. Everyone, every member has their favorite restaurant back home and it's what makes their community so unique. We really try to leverage that. We leverage the grassroots network, our relationship with our state restaurant associations to say this isn't a D or R issue. It's a community issue. And that's the focus that we are urging you to take in Congress. Yeah. That's one of the, I guess that's one thing. If you look at uh, one, one like bright side of the pandemic, uh, you know, and, and there are some, it's not a lot, but there are some bright sides of the pandemic is that, you know, both consumers and, you know, the government, I mean, I, I think, I, do you remember a time where the government ever actually stepped in and rescued the restaurant industry like it did with the RRF? I mean, I know it wasn't as big Not as you wanted it, you know, but they just said, you know, they just, they, they only spend billions of dollars on companies like Ford and airlines. They don't do it on little mom and pop restaurants. And that's the biggest challenge. You've really hit the nail on the head. One of the biggest frustrations that people have said is how come restaurants got less than the airlines? And the answer is, you know, there are 10 airlines in this country and together they employ a lot of people, but they're in very specific communities. And those 10, if one of those airlines fails, it has a market impact. For us, 
it's always much more tenuous. We have to explain why 1 million uh, restaurants and food service locations, but if one goes down, you know, a community doesn't affect the stock market or a community's income, but collectively we have this ability and we are such a hyper-local industry that we can move on that front. But you're absolutely right. Uh, going back to PPP and the exceptions that we got that allowed restaurant groups to participate, we had improvements in the ERTC that allowed restaurants to stay active. And then obviously the passage of the, uh, of the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Congress really stepped up for the industry, recognizing, again, we were the first to be shut down, we'll be the last to recover. We're incredibly grateful. Uh, there is still $50 billion of applications that are pending right now, again, with SBA. They're going to need relief as well, and that's why we're pushing for Congress to fi finish the mission. But you're absolutely right. As far as an advocacy perspective uh, in wins, we did incredibly well as an industry and need to be grateful to the federal government, the Trump administration, Biden administration, and Congress for f working with us to find solutions. Right. Real quick, any other issues out there on Capitol Hill that we should be concerned about? I think really it's going to be in a post-pandemic world, what issues will Congress be focusing on? Uh, certainly the, the, the traditional ones that we've been concerned with in the past, things like joint employer that affects chains, those are always going to be present. Issues that I think are going to get a lot more attention are things like paid sick leave. We are seeing so much more interest from larger corporations to find a federal solution to preempt the state's create a national system where you're not dealing with a, you know, a, a patchwork of 50 different approaches. And even Republicans are beginning to lean in on this issue. Uh, we don't have a clear view yet on what the perfect way is, but something we're talking to our membership and members of Congress on, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Super. Sean, this was fantastic. Really appreciate you joining us uh, this week on the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimberly Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Restaurant business members enjoy exclusive benefits from access to unlimited premium content and members-only research from Technomic to monthly recipe demos and private roundtables with restaurant business editors. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 to access your free 30-day trial to unlock industry insights that will move your operation forward.